0: You know, when I was a little kid, I was a total why kid. Meaning, whenever the parents would say something, I would go, why? 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 And I fully accept that diving into the Packers' salary cap in Brian Gurkut's mind and finding a why is my karma. I'm sorry, Mom and Dad. Welcome back to another episode of Lombardi Time Brews where I am your host, John Delray. Yes, today we're gonna look at a couple whys. I mean, recently trades have been completed for Darren Waller. Well, the Packers were in on him once upon a time, or or Brandon Cooks. Packers were in on him once upon a time too. Or how about some of these free agents that the Packers have shown interest in, in the past that now are signing elsewhere? Or free agents that were the Packers and now we're going elsewhere. Today, we look at why is this happening? Is Brian Gutekunst just a terrible GM? Ha! See, I know, I know. I asked that question, and some of you are immediately in the comments going to type, Yes! I know. How you feel about him is how you feel about him. But the truth is, there are reasons as to why this is happening. Why is it that after the Packers supposedly, reportedly, offer a second-round pick up the trade deadline last year for Darren Waller, Does he get traded for a third to the Giants now? Why did the Packers ever miss out on Chase Claypool at the deadline? Why is it that they can't trade for Brandon Cooks now? And really, there's lots of reasons. But what it really comes down to at the end of the day is timing, circumstances, and money. I'm going to dive into each one of those topics as well as kind of outline, here's the situation for the Green Bay Packers right now. They find themselves in a very curious, odd predicament, especially on the roster building side. They find themselves in a great in-between. You can imagine that it's quite difficult to build a roster when you are at a great in-between. You know, kind of like how they've been the last couple of years with an aging roster and absolutely no money because they had already overextended themselves. So today we're going to dive into all of those topics. So first, let's dive into timing, right? Now we know that the Green Bay Packers, it's been reported, it's been verified by a bunch of different people that at the trade deadline last year, the Green Bay Packers offered a second round pick for Las Vegas Raiders tight end Darren Waller. And they got turned down. The Raiders held on to Waller. And then just last week, they traded Waller to the Giants for pick 100, a third-round pick. Of course, the Packers' second-round pick is substantially better than that. So why didn't the trade at the deadline go down? And, well, look, in-season desperation ploys for playmaking are always going to yield more fruitful trade proposals than those in the offseason. Because teams are desperate. And the Green Bay Packers at the deadline last year were desperate for a playmaker. They knew whether they were going to trade Rodgers this offseason or whether he was going to retire, which he was 90% on the way to retiring per his own admission last week. Or whether they had one year left. Regardless, they knew that that window with Rodgers was coming to a close. And they needed to get some more playmaking. Now, I know you're going to jump right in there and say, well, they needed more playmaking because they didn't get enough. Yeah, fine. Okay, so they were trying to fill the hole that was there. And so they offered a premium to get it. But keep in mind where the Raiders were at that time as well. The Raiders were on this momentous slide. Josh McDaniels was trying to save his job. And really, because Waller had been injured in the season, they needed to see if the vision of Carr to Adams to Waller to Renfro was going to work together or not. So they passed because they were trying to put their own late season push together. Now, the Raiders find themselves, their GM was just talking a couple weeks ago about how they need to start building from within. That last season was their big outside additions off season. Now they need to start turning their attention to within for a more sustainable model. So, move on from your ultra-expensive and oft-hurt tight end. Okay, so let's take a look at Brandon Cooks. Now, I will grant you that in the situation of Brandon Cooks, we know substantially less about what the Green Bay Packers may have offered versus not. Okay. We do know that the Packers had interest. We know the conversations took place. I have not seen it reported and verified anywhere what the Packers indeed offered for Brandon Cooks, but the issue for Cooks always came down to money. So the Cowboys just traded a fifth and a sixth for Brandon Cooks, which seems like a bargain, but Brandon Cooks is also due $18 million this year, all guaranteed. And I'm going to get to the Packers cap situation in a little bit. And, um, You can't go buy a mansion when you can barely afford a shack. That's it. Like that's, there you go. That's why. Okay. Meanwhile, the Cowboys do have some more flexibility and are in different circumstances with their team. And the last player that I want to talk about real quick is Chase Claypool. Now, Chase Claypool, obviously wasn't available over the last couple of weeks. He, for some reason is considered a building block for the bears. Look, in hindsight, we're really lucky this trade didn't happen, because Brian Goodkins supposedly—it's been reported, it's been verified—he traded, he offered to trade the Packers' second-round pick for Chase Claypool. Now, the Bears, also going for Claypool, didn't want the Packers to have him. They needed the wide receiver themselves. So they offered their second-round pick, and the Steelers were sitting there going, 2nd round picks, Packers, Bears." The Bears are a worse football team than the Packers. Packers look like at the, about the trade deadline time that there may be some hope, a little bit, that they're going to go on this run. We're going to go with the Bears pick. So even if Goody would have thrown in a, a late day three pick like a sixth or seventh, it wouldn't have been enough to bridge the gap from the Packers' mid-second round pick up to the what wound up being pick 32 because of the Dolphins' disqualified pick this year. So in that case, you can say the Steelers absolutely unequivocally made the right trade with the Chicago Bears. And you can also argue, while it didn't help them last year, in the long term because of Claypool's production with Chicago and the production that he was coming off of in Pittsburgh, you could easily argue that Green Bay also made the right trade by not having that trade go through, by not offering a whole bunch more to get on top of the Bears' offer. Maybe Claypool would have changed their chances last year, but (laughs) I don't know about that. So, the timing, the circumstances, they matter. And with trading, of course, it takes two to tango. But I don't think you can say from any of those offers that no one wants to trade with the Packers. I think those trades were offered at that time for a reason. A reason that no longer exists. In some ways, it's almost like some NFL GMs need to view themselves more like baseball. And I know it's different. Baseball has systems, different things with different teams, right? But it's not nearly the adaptation of walking in and adjusting to a whole new NFL playbook in week 10 or 11. I know it's a different world, but for GMs who have assets that they're looking to sell, if you're out of it and you're looking to sell, it's becoming pretty clear That for a lot of these teams, trading at the deadline to a team who's desperate for playmaking is going to be more fruitful than waiting until the offseason. And part of the reason for that is because, especially right now, where we are in the NFL calendar, teams have options. Hope springs eternal in the offseason. Hope does not spring eternal when you're 2-6 and and you need to make the playoffs. See what I'm saying? There's that leverage word again. It's all about desperation and using it to your advantage. And it is a change in the NFL. So let's continue looking at the Packers. They find themselves in a very odd, interesting, fascinating situation. The Green Bay Packers believe in Jordan Love. They do. Now, you can agree with that, disagree with that, whatever. It doesn't make any difference. The Green Bay Packers believe in Jordan Love. So they're not looking at this upcoming year, the 2023 season, like it's going to be a like drop a nuke on it. We're going to be awful. We don't have a quarterback for the future. We're completely rebuilding. No, the Green Bay Packers really believe in Jordan Love and they believe that the team that they have, which is still, even with the veterans walking out the door, still 90% of the team that they had is still a very competitive team. Is it a Super Bowl contender? maybe, maybe not, in Brian Gutekunst's spine. That's what I'm answering for. I doubt it. But it is a competitive team, especially when looking across the landscape of the NFC on its entirety. And so here the Packers are. They have a quarterback that they believe in. They don't want to take what Chicago did last year to Justin Fields and completely and utterly blow it up and have him just run for his life. They don't want to do that. They still believe in him. Not that Chicago didn't, but circumstances are different. Not only that, but it didn't make sense for Green Bay to get rid of a lot of its veterans that were under contract because they had pushed so much money forward from these last couple of years when they were overextending themselves in the cap. You know, the last couple of years, I understand the arguments that the Green Bay Packers didn't go all in, but look, the fact remains that for the last couple of years, the Green Bay Packers have spent all the money they have. They've spent all the money they've had. And we're beginning to live in the ramifications of those decisions. Because Kenny Ingalls even put out a big thread this morning saying, of, of the Packers roster right now, here are the options to get more money out of it. And those options are getting smaller and fewer. And less money for exercising all of them. Of which, if you do exercise them, all you're doing again is pushing more money into the future. So the Green Bay Packers have pushed so much from the last couple of years. And I'll remind you again, over the last couple of years, the Green Bay Packers have been one of the top spending cash teams in the NFL. I know they didn't make a world of outside acquisitions, and maybe they weren't as aggressive as they could have been. But they did push their constraints. Maybe just not as much as you wanted, or maybe you're fine with how it all went. But they did push their constraints. And now we're beginning to live in that. But now you wind up in this awkward situation where you have a young quarterback who you really believe in, an aging left tackle, who it doesn't make any sense to cut, a running back who you got to take a pay cut, but it wouldn't make that much sense to cut him. And so you've got these vets who are under these big contracts that, what are you going to do with them? Because to to fully blow it up, to fully rebuild, you're going to get rid of those guys but then you got to find a replacement because you'd want your young quarterback to be protected. Right? So like, if you get rid of David Bakhtiari, you're going to say $5.9 million. Okay, cool. Who's going to play left tackle. Is it going to cost you less than $5.9 million to go get a different left tackle. You can only address so many things in the draft. Even retaining Yash is $4 million and Yash is not the left tackle that David Bakhtiari is. Or how about Aaron Jones, 10 million in dead cap, 10 million savings. Okay, fine, but then who's going to run the ball? Sure, you got A.J. Dillon, but you don't want him to have 500 carries. So you're elevating Tyler Goodson, Patrick Taylor. Again, you can only address so many things in the draft. And not only that, but Aaron Jones, with the departure of Aaron Rodgers amongst Randall Cobb, Mercedes Lewis, probably. Aaron Jones becomes one of your absolute leaders in the locker room, no doubt about it. So there's an intangible quality to him as well. Same kind of with Bakhtiari. So when you look at the replacement cost, per what you're saying, it just doesn't make any sense. So they have these large, overextended contracts while trying to retool with a younger roster. And so again, they find themselves in this bind. And so what they're doing is they're trying to field as competitive a team as they can within the constraints without, again, completely overextending themselves. They've already pushed a whole bunch of money into the future. I know that they probably don't want to do that a ton more because then they're just doing this to more and more years. It already is looking like 2025 is probably the first year that we can look forward to a semi-normal cap situation. And even then, if Jordan Love pans out, guess who's going to be getting a whole lot more money right around that time? So they do find themselves in a very odd situation. Let's review that cap again, because I did see a number of fans comment in the different forums, in the different areas. The Packers are in the top five of available cap space right now. What's the issue? They got money. Why can't they go sign the safety that Detroit just did for $8 million? Why can't they acquire Brandon Cooks for $18 million? They got 25. million. Well, and the truth is because, yes, they do have 25 right now. However, the millisecond that Aaron Rodgers is traded, you can kiss good nine of that goodbye. And the draft, as it stands right now, is going to cost them about $11 million. If they get some premium picks from the Jets, up that total. And that leaves them with about $5 million left unless they do more stuff like extend Rashawn Gary, restructure others who have very little left. And now... If you take a look at their roster, so you got 11 draft picks coming in, and besides that, as it stands right now, you got about five million dollars. If you extend Rashawn Gary, which I think a lot of people believe is going to happen, you could basically double that. Let's say you got 10 million dollars to play with now, ish. And you know what? You've got to get with that 11 draft picks plus 10 million realistically you got to fill in probably about 11 spots on your 53 and the way that i got to that was by just quickly looking over their depth chart and saying okay here's probably what they're actively looking for yet they're probably looking for a backup quarterback probably looking for two more wide receivers two more tight ends you know that they're going to pick a couple ol but i didn't put that there because it's at least sustainable as it is they're probably looking for two d linemen at least one edge one safety one corner and a kicker, unless they're really comfortable with Parker White being their kicker next year. And Goody already said that they're hoping to bring Mesa Crosby back. And Mason Crosby isn't the cheapest kicker in the world, even at his advancing age, so he's gonna take a little bit of that ten million. So there you have it eleven actual spots on your fifty three that you need to cover by eleven draft picks plus five to ten million dollars. That's a tall order. So might we see one more signing of like a John Johnson, Adrian Amos, Foster Moreau, someone in that five million dollar range, six million, that they could maybe get the cap number down to be like two this year and higher in other years? Maybe. But that's gonna be about it, barring something really unforeseen. It also speaks to the Jets draft comp or Jets compensation, right? The trade with Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. Are they gonna be getting Corey Davis back? Probably not. They can't really afford him. Are they going to be getting Carl Lawson back? Probably not. They can't really afford him. If they do get Lawson back, if they do get Davis back in the trade, it's going to be on a reworked contract. Or they get acquired and then immediately get their contract reworked. Because the Packers can't take on a $10 million, a $12 million contract right now. The only vet on the Jets that I think that is rumored to be potentially maybe-ish included has been Whitehead the safety, who's got a cap number of about $6 million. Now, could the Packers extend him? He's only 26 years old and get that cap number down? That I could see being a possibility. But in terms of Corey Davis or Carl Lawson, I tend to doubt it. So no. The Green Bay Packers are not operating irresponsibly or stupidly to not get Darren Waller, to not get Brandon Cooks. The Packers are navigating the situation of having a few high-priced veterans with younger guys and a young quarterback that they believe in that can still be competitive, still be talented, with limited resources without further extending the issues of the cap that they've done for three years already. This is a complicated roster-building manner. They have so little money. And so many holes. And yet, because of the guys that they do have, will tend to be competitive more often than not. Either way, this is going to be a fascinating offseason for the remainder of it. No doubt about it. But if you're still sitting there expecting a $15 million acquisition, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm very sorry. And maybe they've got a rabbit that they'll pull out of their hat yet. But look at the numbers. It's tough to see how. And that's not doomsday. I believe in this Packers team. I think they will be competitive this year. I just don't think a splash is inbound, y'all. Hope you're having a wonderful Monday. I'll be back in a couple of days. Um, unless, of course, some some major news breaks. But uh, other than that, I'll be back in a couple of days. Hope you're having a fantastic Monday. And as always, Go Pack Go.